0: Hi, welcome to Civic's Change Agent Chat, Episode 28. During these chats, we speak with change agents who are working to create a better healthcare system for us all. I'm Stephanie Spriggs with the Center for Improving Value in Healthcare, or as we like to call it, Civic. In this chat, Kristen Paulson, Civic's VP of Research and Innovation, is speaking with Douglas McCarthy, Commonwealth Fund's Senior Research Director. Each year, The Commonwealth Fund releases health system scorecards for each state, providing performance benchmarks and improvement targets for communities and the nation. During this chat, we look at the 2018 scorecards and learn how Colorado compares to other states and how we can improve. We've recorded this chat in May 2018. Thanks for listening and enjoy the chat. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's Change Agent Chat. Um, I'm Kristen Paulson here at Civic, and we have a few housekeeping items before we get fully started. So this chat is being recorded, and it will be available on the civic.org website shortly after the chat. Um, Please use the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen to submit questions throughout the chat, and we'll address those um, as they come up. So today, we are speaking with Doug McCarthy from the Commonwealth Fund. Uh, Doug, can you give us an introduction to yourself?
1: Sure. I'm Senior Research Director for the Commonwealth Fund, and there I'm responsible for our scorecard project and for our case study work. And very luckily, I get to telework from Durango, Colorado, so I appreciate all the work that Civic is doing.
0: Great. We really appreciate you being part of our work as well. So we're here today to talk about the scorecards. Um, What was the, can you tell us a little bit about what the original goal of the program was and sort of how the scorecards are being used and whether they're being used the way that the Commonwealth Fund intended?
1: Sure, Kristen, thanks so much. So our scorecard project began in 2006 with the Commonwealth Fund's commission on a high-performance health system. And they wanted to assess how well does the nation do on performance as they had defined it. So we created a national scorecard first off, and then we recognized that people really wanted to bring that kind of information closer to home. So in 2007, we worked with the Rutgers Center for State Health Policy to create a state scorecard, and then in 2012 um, through my colleague David Bradley created a local scorecard at the level of hospital referral regions or healthcare markets. The scorecards really are intended to do two simple things to raise awareness of gaps in performance and to provide benchmarks and a, which are achievable for other states to look to their neighbors and to say, how could we improve on those gaps by learning from what other states are doing um, that would be applicable to us. So I have a very schim- simple schematic here that I can share with you. That will show you how we build the scorecards. And um, if I can just find that here, I'll share that on the screen. And um, we have 40, over 40 indicators that we track in the scorecards over time. And this schematic shows you the dimensions in which we look. And so we have access and affordability, prevention and treatment quality, avoidable hospital use and costs, and healthy lives. 43 indicators across those four dimensions. And then a disparities dimension, which takes a subset of those and looks at disparities within states by income level, low-income versus high-income individuals. And our methodology is very simple. We rank The states on each indicator, we average those ranks to create dimension ranks, and then we average the dimension ranks to create an overall rank.
0: Great. So now, do you work with different states and communities to actually facilitate the use of this scorecard, to facilitate that sort of cross-state benchmarking?
1: Yes. So, we are very lucky in that we have a partnership with several groups, such as the National Governors Association, the National conferences, state legislators and others that uh, assist us in disseminating the scorecards and provide opportunities such as a recent meeting with state legislative analysts to present the scorecard findings. And that will create some interesting discussions about how data is used at the state level and the limitations of data. And then we'll also lead to further discussions such as a presentation we made to a, a Utah legislative committee that wanted to look at their state performance in comparison to Others, Uh, We were lucky in working with the Millbank Memorial Fund's reforming states group of state legislative leaders. And uh, one example of that is in Massachusetts, a delegation of legislators used our scorecard to benchmark themselves against Minnesota, which is one of the highest performing states, and to understand how they might achieve better value in particular in Massachusetts. In Colorado, in the early years of our scorecard, Colorado performed about in the middle of the pack. And so there was a lot of interest um, around the reform era in Colorado in the last decade to understand what would be the opportunities for Colorado to improve. And the exciting thing is that we have really seen Colorado improve greatly. In fact, it's probably the most improved state over the course of the scorecard's history, rising from the middle of the pack to number 10 in our most recent rankings. And I'll just show you an example of that so you can get a feeling for how we distill all these findings down into the um, into a state level. Um, So if I can get back to that share screen. I'll do that. So this is the profile that's available online. You can download or you can view it interactively for Colorado. And in this particular time period, we're comparing before and after the ACA, so 2013 to 2016, a more recent time period that I mentioned previously. And you can see the rankings for Colorado across those dimensions and then the change during that time period. Um, Over on the right, we show you how those indicators have changed over time. It's the norm for most states to have no change, and we set a bar so that you have to rise above sort of noise in the data to be called a change, a meaningful change, using a a half a standard deviation and the distribution. And then the bottom, you can see all the states and where Colorado falls in that that variation. What I want to mention here is that Colorado, um, you might be surprised to see zero change or just plus one on access and affordability. And what happens there is we have seven indicators. Colorado improved greatly on its uninsured rate and in the, um, a decline in going without care because of cost, but those improvements were sort of swamped by no change in some of the other indicators there, dental care and um, the percentage uh, that people pay out of pocket for their medical care, which were unchanged, essentially. So, That when you you know roll everything up into a a ranking, some of these things wash out, and so that's why I'd encourage you to look at the actual data and see what's happening there.
0: Well, it's nice to see that some of the work that our uh, our communities and uh, partners across the state have been doing is actually paying off. Uh, That's a pretty impressive jump. Nice job, Colorado. Um, (laughs) Now you guys have been doing the report card for quite a few years, haven't you?
1: We have. And during that time we have learned a lot. Um, we've gotten a lot of great feedback from groups like Civic and others. and We really appreciate that. And we've tried to improve it over time. One of the changes we've made is that in the initial years we were relying mainly on Medicare data. And just recently we've been lucky to add market scan data from Truven to show commercially insured Um, individuals and employer sponsored plans how they're performing on certain measures and what their cost and use are and we're hoping to expand that analysis over time and um, we've also engaged in some understanding of regional performance just in our most recent report um, where we're able to look at how states perform in particular regions of the country because the feedback we heard was that it's not always Applicable to compare a state to the national benchmark that maybe not. That's maybe a stretch too far if you're Texas to say okay. you're going to improve to the level of Massachusetts. So what we've done there and I'll show you again a, um, a Screen share here of just how we look at the country using census divisions, uh, the four major categories, and you can see here. That Colorado is above average in the western divi- division The three states that come out on top in the west are Washington State, Utah, and Hawaii. Hawaii being number one for the entire country. But that's exciting to see Colorado here in the above average category. You can see other states and other regions that are also in that, in that category.
0: That's great. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of impact um, the development of APCDs specifically has had on some of this regional variation, on the regional benchmarking, um, or nationally too? Um, how, how has that access to that new level of data kind of impacted the scorecards?
1: So we're really excited to see the work of Civic and other states that are engaged in creating APCDs at the state level. And I should disclose that I, am, I do serve on the Board of Civic and I'm very proud to do so. We really see a value in the ability of states to drill down further than we can in our data on what's happening in a state. So a good example of that is the recent total cost of care report that Civic participated in with several other states and being able to see the variation in use of services and prices within a state and how that impacts total cost of care is really valuable to get a handle on what can happen at the local level because we know that all healthcare in the end is local. We are excited for those kinds of efforts to continue and for that harmonization of APT- APCDs of country to create some value for looking at regional variations, as you mentioned, that would supplement the national data that we have. And there are limitations in all those national collections. So the state effort is really welcome.
0: So you guys are working with uh, Truven Market Scan, You're working with APCDs. You're working with Medicare data. Um, so what other technological or systemic developments, what newfangled uh, developments would you like to see that would positively impact what you
1: can do with the scorecard? Sure, well thanks for that question. Really at a low tech level, we are really hopeful that the federal government will follow through expeditiously with its recent commitment to make Medicare Advantage plan encounter data available across the country. Civic has that data in the APCD and it's very exciting to see that. Um, Medicare Advantage represents 30% of Medicare beneficiaries now and up to 50% in some places. So we're really um, Having a hole in our ability to measure performance without that, but more um, Beyond that, longer term, we're excited to keep observing the progress that's being made in harnessing the potential of clinical data from EHRs in some regional efforts. And maybe someday from digital tools, the Fitbit universe um, is exciting to think about what you could do with that, with patient-reported outcome measures. Um, The limitation, of course, is are those generalizable? And at the present time, they're not. But at some point in the future, when they become ubiquitous, ubiquitous enough, we're hoping that they may be a source that we can tap into.
0: That's great. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some what the scorecards have led to and what has been some of the outcomes that you've seen from the scorecards. So many times we see things that are, are published or put out there and it turns into something that just gets set on the shelf. Um, and the scorecards are presented in a way that's really accessible and can really point to some active pieces and active uh, directions that can be taken to improve health in a state. So can you talk a little bit about how you're seeing these used on the ground in states? And then maybe what's the most surprising thing uh, about the results of, of how they're being used that you've
1: seen? Well, we've been very gratified, Kristen, that the scorecards have garnered attention. We weren't sure when we first released them how, how much they would. Uh, I think their ability to Um, bring a lot of different data together in one place and and through ranking to create attention that policymakers are paying attention, maybe through the media um, that now they should look at this, whereas each of those individual data sources might not have gotten that attention um, without being uh, packaged and we 've seen that other states, Ohio, for example, have created their own state scorecards and they 've looked to our scorecard as an inspiration, even international efforts in australia and 've yeah. heard from state officials that the scorecards provide Uh, Validation for their own work um, and that when they're presenting information that they have compiled or analyzed on their state to a state legislative committee or the governor. that they have that scorecard to provide the backup and show, yes, in fact, the Commonwealth Fund finds the same thing that we do that that can be very helpful. One of the neat things about the scorecard is that the long time frame we've had when we began the scorecard, it was really a bad news story. The country really was, um, it was after the RAND study and 55% of care being appropriate and um, other evidence from the Institute of Medicine that we really were suffering from patient safety concerns. The scorecards helped to bring that home. But since the passage of the ACA, we now have a good news story and we've seen what was before more decline than improvement, just flip around so we have now across almost all states more improvement than decline. And that's exciting, I'll show you one um, chart here that just illustrates that um, for, some of, for one access indicator in particular, going without care because of cost from the, the, the Griffith survey. And um, this shows you uh, two sets of states plus Colorado in orange. The light green here are states that expanded Medicaid and the dark green states are states that did not expand Medicaid. So you can see that disparity, especially in the low income adults. And then Colorado here um, seen even a bigger bump than uh, those expansion states on average among the low income population that those reforms targeted. So that's the kind of change that we're very excited to see. Um, And if you look across states, you see that as well.
0: That's great. So, are there any gaps? Um, Do you see any missed opportunities uh, that have been out there that the scorecards could be helping to address that haven't been used for?
1: Yeah, one of the areas that we're really concerned about are disparities. And um, even though disparities in access have been ameliorated um, through the coverage expansions that I just described, uh, they still persist. So I want to show you another chart here. Um, of comparing Colorado to Alabama. And Alabama is a state that has had, uh, that has one of the largest disparities in access to care. It's a non expansion state. And although Colorado is not yet the best on this, you can see in this chart that we're doing much better as an expansion state in reducing this disparity between the low income population in the darker green and the higher income population in the lighter green. Um, in comparison to a non-expansion state. Not to pick on Alabama, but it's just illustrating the difference in the policy choices that states made. And um, so if you look at Vermont, these these differences are much, much less. And so we have a goal. Uh, We can strive to achieve uh, even greater reductions in disparities in Colorado. And to a large degree, these represent the experiences of people of color.
0: That's uh, very, It's a bit of a a hit (laughs) just seeing what that disparity is between the two states, but also seeing what the disparity is between um, the very low income and uh, higher income individuals there. That's a, a huge gap that we can continue to address. So can you tell us about, to perk things back up again, can you tell us about a success story or something that was a really tangible impact that's come about because of the use of the scorecards?
1: Yeah, you know, my favorite story, Kristen, is something that occurred really early on in our scorecard series. We partnered with the Rutgers Center for State Health um, Policy to put on an all-state multi-stakeholder meeting in a state out east. And we brought together people who, in some cases, it was the first time they were together in a room in a neutral setting talking about something positive and good and how they could do better as a state. And a real pivotal moment came in that meeting when a representative of the business community was reflecting on the day and she shared This had really opened her eyes that they were she was seeing that this wasn't just a problem that affected employers that there was really an opportunity for all the constituencies and all the groups in this room to come together and take some coordinated action and to build on some of the good things that they were hearing in the room that they weren't even aware of that were happening in their own state. So for us, that was exactly what we wanted the scorecards to do, to serve as a catalyst. And uh, and we were excited by that.
0: That's great. Um, I do wanna remind everyone who's on as well that you are free to um, enter your own questions in the Q and A box. Uh, at the bottom of the screen. It doesn't have to be just Doug and I talking. Uh, we can definitely make this a broader conversation. So if you have any questions, please put them in that box and we'll handle them as they come in. So Doug, what what's the next step for the scorecards? What comes up next? I mean, you guys are evolving every year and incorporating new data and incorporating new looks at the data and and really started highlighting um, issues that can be addressed and progress being made. So what comes next for the scorecard?
1: Yeah, thanks for that. So we're very excited to expand on our data sources over time and for example, the Truven market scan, scan data that I mentioned, we're working with Michael Chernu at Harvard who is going to help us decompose that to understand in the same way that you did with the total cost of care study, what are the contributors um, in growth of costs from the side of utilization versus price across the country. And there's been some work done on that already by Zach Cooper at Yale and using the uh, Healthcare Cost Institute data. This will be another look at that to build on the work that was done previously by the IOM. And to see that over time, I think will be very valuable as opposed to those cross-sectional looks that have been done previously. So that's one area that we're really excited to expand. You can keep uh, your eyes on our website, we have a tool called the Quality Spending Interactive, and we'll be announcing an update in that in the near future, uh, so that you can get that data in an accessible form and compare your region of the country. The other change we're going to make in our scorecards is to focus more on intrastate variation. So in the past, for our local scorecard, those healthcare markets across the country, we have ranked them one to 300. And what we realized through feedback from some experts and others that we hear from is that it's much more interesting to look At how does variation occur within Colorado or within New York State or California. So we're going to be really focusing instead of a one to 300 ranking on The variations in states. One of the findings that we saw from doing this previously is that there are some cases where um, when you look at disparities, for example. A low-income group in a high-performing state will actually be performing better than the high-income group in a low-performing state and that's really a wake-up call and can help people understand the potential that they have to improve well
0: that's that's exciting it's going to be some uh, fun new directions for you guys Uh, we do have a couple questions in here from the audience uh, Claire, oh, can you repeat the different sources of data, particularly with respect to disparities? So just just asking for a repeat of some information.
1: Sure. Let me just find that. I'm going to display it on the screen here so you can see okay. some of the data we're using for disparities in the scorecard, uh, some of the indicators. And then in, if you go to our website and go to the scorecard, there's an online report you can download. A report that also will give you an appendix and it will provide all the indicator data that you could want. But here for Colorado, I'm going to show you our profile and these are the kinds of indicators that we're looking at in the Colorado profile. Um, some of the access indicators from either the American Community Survey or the Burfus data. Um, at the top here and then some of the quality data vaccines and screenings um, which we Across states, there are large gaps in those. And before I do that, let me just say at the top here, you can see for each one, um, we give you the rate for the low, the lowest income group, the disparity to the high income group in the state's ranking on that disparity. So um, Here, Colorado, this disparity of 15 percentage points and uninsured between low and high income puts Colorado 20th in the country. That's how you would interpret that. This is the baseline data and how we did before. And you can see running down here. Um, then some of the, co- the uh, utilization and cost data, and then some of the health data here at the bottom. And this is a subset of our total scorecard indicator set for which we have data that we can stratify readily. Is that helpful? I hope.
0: I believe so. Claire, you'll have to let us know if you needed more information. Uh, so we've got uh, and a question here um, asking about HEDIS. Uh, did you guys purchase data from NCQA HEDIS for the scorecards?
1: So, great question. We, in the past, for our national scorecard did use some of the HEDIS data, and we measured the gap between the average and the best performing plan and our national scorecard, which we no longer produce, we measured gaps uh, in, in nationally. And that was very valuable. We would also use data from the, um, uh, the survey that actually you give, I'm forgetting, the in Haines, um, and get disease control data. But unfortunately that data is really not robust enough um, to use for state and local level comparisons. So we construct similar measures where we can, not all of them of course, um, using either the Tuvin data or Medicare claims data or the BRIFIS data. Okay,
0: so a lot of those are claims-based, sort of claims-based quality measures that you guys are using? What's
1: self-reported on BRIFIS are screening measures for cancer screenings we construct from BRIFIS. Great.
0: Uh, so Donna is asking, uh, do you see further activity in trying to engage the private sector on the issues of health disparity, insurance expansion, and I'm sorry, the question just disappeared on me. Uh, so there we go. <laughs> private sector on uh, uh, insurance expa- expansion and health disparities. Are you, are you making any, any uh, movements that direction?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And so I think a lot of the focus so far has been on the marketplaces and the individual market in particular. And in our scorecard, we don't report it, but we have a separate report that we'll be updating in July using the MEPS data from the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, looking at uh, coverage and uh, costs for individuals across the country and premiums for insured individuals and we really recognize that that's important going forward and the two really give you a fuller picture of what's happening in the state. There is a lot of opportunity, we think, for employers to engage, um, and we want to facilitate that as we can. Okay, great. So that's
0: all we have in the chat box right now. We've got about five minutes left, so if there are any other questions, uh, please get them in before we run out of time. But um, I'm just going to actually open one up to you and say, you know, what do you think is most important to let people know about the scorecards um, and and about what they're doing, what they can do, what you're able to see from them?
1: What have I missed? (laughs) So I want to highlight some case studies that we did. Thanks, Christopher, for that question. And here on the screen, I'm going to show you four communities that we studied, and one of them was Pueblo, Colorado, and these were communities on our local scorecard that performed, that, I'm sorry, that improved the most. As you can see, if you look at some of their rankings, they weren't actually at the top of the rankings to begin with, but they really rose up. Excuse me. And some of the things that we found in looking at these communities were very interesting. And because all healthcare is local, I wanna emphasize these because you may feel that your best opportunity for improvement is in your own local community. So there were four things that stood out. Number one, in those communities, local governments, counties and public health agencies were really engaged and they were really proactive in bringing people together. And secondly, there was a spirit of cooperation that was driven by civic pride It was either formal or more informal, depending on the community, that brought people together across their boundaries and really helped them to be working on common goals. Third, they were very data focused and they were using that data to overcome a problem that Matt Guy in uh, Pueblo calls admiring the problem. So that data helped them to see that they wanted to have more of an action orientation or what Matt calls a patient urgency for action. And fourth, all these Communities were in states that expanded Medicaid. So it showed the value and the importance of state policy in supporting these communities, both in terms of coverage expansions, in terms of smoking cessation through smoking bans, and other things that states can do to support communities and their efforts. So I hope that's encouraging because these were, in many cases, low income communities, except for Akron. And uh, if they can do it, anyone can.
0: I know that we've worked pretty extensively with uh, Matt Guy down in Pueblo, Colorado at the AAA Incorporation. And the work he's done there is absolutely remarkable. Um, If you're not familiar with that, uh, go ahead and Google the AAA Incorporation and and read about some of the work that they've been doing down in Pueblo for the past several years. Uh, It's nice to see that it's it's making an impact in more than just the local uh, variation, but you can actually see it on a national scale. Um, and compare the work they've been doing to other states, because I've been blown away for years about the progress they've been making down there. So that's very encouraging. Well, that's about all the questions we have for today. Um, Doug, thank you so much for joining us on the chat and talking through the scorecards. Um, And remember, those are available um, through the Commonwealth Fund site. You can access those. Uh, The recording of today's chat is going to be available on civic.org in the next couple of days. Uh, We've also, we pre-recorded our June chat with Children's Hospital, so that will also be in the profile in the Change Agent Gallery um, on the Civic website. So the next live chat is with Aurora Health Access on Tuesday, July 10th, uh, and please enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, everyone.